Hello and welcome to the latest episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. Today we're looking at Season 2, Episode 6, All the Duke's Men. And joining me for this episode uh, is Keith Coca, or you might know him better as The Critic Clips on Instagram. Keith, how's it going? Very good, man. Thanks for having me on here. Um, glad to chat with uh, like-minded people. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, you uh, you were someone who I kind of just met, I guess, through doing the podcast, because I, I think you were one of the first people to kind of follow the podcast Instagram account, and you started, you know, commenting and, and you know, uh, hitting the like button, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I was very uh, pleasantly surprised to find that there was a an account out, out there that was all about like posting uh, critic clips on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I um I make sure never to um skip or not acknowledge anything critic related to just because it's such a small niche audience that the idea that someone would start a podcast, I was like, great, we gotta like get anyone we can on this. So from time to time, yeah, I'll, I'll you know repost or reshare a new podcast or a new episode, and anytime there's something out that's fresh, I'll try to give it whatever little bump. I can. We don't have a whole lot of followers, but it's um, it's good to get the word out. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And and yeah, I wanted to ask you just like how long have you been doing the um, the Critic Clips uh, account, and uh, what what made you want to start it? So it's been about three years, I think. Um, I think we recently just hit three years, and um, I can't even recall exactly how it started. So I had a friend I worked with, Dana, and. One way or another, we got to talking about The Simpsons, and the two of us both watched The Simpsons, or did, and uh, she brought up The Critic, and you know that's immediately, you light up when someone else watches the show, because again, it's a pretty small audience out there, and um, I think we would share back and forth clips from The Simpsons IG, which is the same thing, I just copied the same formula uh -huh. <laughs> um, shamelessly. Because, again, we need to get eyes on this show. And there's so many people who loved the show, but there's no way to kind of bring us together. So I just copied the same formula after she kind of talked me into it. And I said, what the heck, why not? I had uh, just finished ripping the show for my Plex library and uh, got some software together and just went down memory lane and cut some clips for every episode week by week until they were all done. And now we're just about wrapped up i think we have maybe 20 clips per season and then at that point i guess we'll start from scratch or i'll get started on some shirts or something yeah because it's like there's only so many episodes so there's there is only a finite amount of clips that you can post i guess yeah that's the good and the bad right because um if it were the simpsons let's say it's just it's endless because now there's you know 30 plus seasons yeah. Even though I kind of only acknowledge two through ten at the most, that's my own <laughs> right, personal right. <laughs> taste. But with the critic, at least, um, I can feel like I've accomplished something. Boom, we got it all done and out there. And okay, let's start over for those who haven't seen it or those who always want to request, you know, their favorite clips and uh, just keep it on repeat. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, so we're going to get into this episode, but I just have one more question just about the um, the account. Are are there certain like characters or episodes that tend to be like more popular than others? Like have you noticed like 
certain ones that get more views or, or more likes or anything like that? Uh, well, definitely since I introduced um, some excerpts from uh, Jay's appearance on The Simpsons, those I see, you know, my reports on Instagram and it's like, oh, this has had more engagement than previous posts. I'm like, man, I get why, of course. And <laughs> uh-huh. it's a great episode. Um, it's just sort of hit and miss. And now that, you know, in the near future, we'll be starting from scratch again. It'll be interesting to see what does and doesn't pick up the most um, activity because I think we have about 1,400 followers, which really, in Instagram terms, isn't terribly too much, but um, it's it's taken, you know, three long years, and I'm proud of those numbers given how small the community is, and um, it wasn't until a few accounts shared... Um, either some reposts or just other artwork I had shared from artists who reached out to me, uh, did those numbers finally start to climb up. So um, as many eyes on it as I can get will certainly help. And I'm happy to see what happens next when we start from scratch. Cool. Uh, Yeah, well, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Everyone listening to this, I assume, is a uh, huge Critic fan. So, yeah, go follow The Critic Clips on Instagram. And yeah, let's build that community. Um, but all right, so we're here to talk about, uh, as I said, all the Duke's men. Basically, I guess the um, political episode of the critic. I've got the uh, episode synopsis here. Jay is hired as a speechwriter when Duke runs for the presidency and soon learns some grim truths about the world of politics. I'm not sure what grim truths they're actually referring to here, uh, but definitely, you know, we get a lot of fun kind of political-oriented jokes uh, across this episode. I don't know. Like, political satire is one of my favorite genres. Like, I really love the show Veep uh, and stuff like that. But this really kind of just felt like a regular critic episode that happens to be, like, during election season. Yeah, I definitely can get that. It's a very typical, you know, with only a handful of episodes, it still feels like a very typical Duke-centric episode. Like, of course Duke would want to run for president because why not? And anything else that he can gain or obtain is, you know, speaks to his character. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, kind of, I thought there were definitely a, a few places where it kind of, like, foreshadowed Donald Trump a little bit, like, Jay even has a line where he's like, you're not a politician, you're a businessman. And it's like, oh, if if only they knew, <laughs> you know. Right? Oh, man. Well, how many times have you seen uh, over the last few years that season one, episode one clip of Jay in front of the Trump Tower? Oh, yeah. The Trump Tower is closed. <laughs> um, I, you know, I really wish the show had continued on. There would have been just endless content, endless um, references, you know. Oh, I know, like, yeah, like, what would they have done when Trump was, like, actually president? I can only imagine, but... Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, let's get into this uh, episode here. So we begin on Jay's show. He's uh, giving a preview of A Few Good Monsters, a new Tom Cruise movie. And I hope you're looking after your brother, Raymond. Five minutes to monsters. Five minutes to monsters. Gotta see Herman. Gotta see Herman. Gotta see Herman. So they're basically combining 
a few good men with like interview with a vampire plus risky business like basically tom cruise has a bunch of monsters over for a party because his parents aren't home they also managed to throw rain man in there really just throwing everything but the kitchen sink just all the tom cruise jokes they could think of i guess oh great melting pot of Don- of tom cruise and it's you know not the first time they mentioned rain man or referenced it right um back when they did snowman with siskel and jay and right um, <laughs> they uh, they really got some whatever mileage they could out of rain man they certainly got it yeah i guess like i guess it was like you know the big popular movie of uh around that time but but yeah, it like the exact same joke pops up in two different episodes. So I thought that was a little. Uh, they could have maybe found a, a fresh angle on it or something. But uh, so um, yeah, so we got that little movie parody right at the top, and then we get um, Marty announces he's running for class president, and Jay. Um, basically immediately wants to uh wants to help him he gets inspired and just starts typing a speech on his typewriter even though there's no paper there i don't know what to tell you dad i'm just an average kid that's your angle you're the average kid the kid of the people why they'll lap it up like cheap booze at drew barrymore sweet 16 party dad don't you need some paper it'll just slow me down I just love the paper would slow him down. He's on too hot of a roll, you know? Yeah. And it kind of occurred to me like, okay, so this was 1995. I guess people were still typing on typewriters back then. I wasn't really sure. Plausible. Yeah. (laughs) Or someone like Jay probably would. And it's much funnier to type on a a clackety uh, typewriter than a computer keyboard. Yeah, totally. So yeah, so Jay is basically going to be Marty's speechwriter. And when we get to the school, um, Marty is running against uh, Zoltan, the son of um, Vlada from the uh, restaurant, and Michael Dukakis. Welcome to the United Nations School 8th grade election. Our candidates are Martin Sherman, Zoltan Velimirovich, Hello. And Michael Dukakis. I thought I would start small. Uh, with an election, I could win. So kind of a kind of a dated reference, Michael Dukakis, the failed uh, presidential candidate from when did he he ran in what? 1988 against Bush? I believe so. Yeah, that's the, you know, John Lovitz all over it, of course, who did a great job of the character on Saturday Night Live and uh, thought he would start with an election that he could win, which makes sense. That's right. I remember like hearing like a story from yeah from the from snl like in 1988 like so like after george bush won the presidency john lovitz was like damn it now dana carvey gets to play the president for four years yep yeah uh but i guess he you know he still got to use his dukakis impression a a couple times um on this show i love in that in that scene where he's given his speech he mentions how he's like the regular kid, right? And um, how he can't, uh, he's not like his uh, Easter Island friend, which the Easter Island kid is probably one of my favorite gags in the entire series. 
Uh, and it's the same gag repeated where it's just his head's too heavy and it crashes to the yeah. floor with chips of rocks flying out. Um, they just never get old. And uh, I just love that little detail, the chipped rock flying off his yeah. head. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, the, the Easter Island kid, it is always the same joke, but it it's just somehow manages to stay funny every time. It's just so ridiculous, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, everyone loves uh, Marty's speech. Yeah, he basically puts himself across as the average kid. Everyone loves it, even the uh, Klingon kids who are there. <laughs> um, so the the UN school really gets kids from from all over. I, I love the Klingons or any Star Trek reference as well. I grew up watching Star Trek, so whether it was Star Trek the next oh was it Generation X I think with Beavis and Butthead in it. Oh or, yeah, yeah. Uh, hee haw, the next generation. <laughs> um, any next generation gag just uh, wins points with me. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, definitely Star Trek. Like whenever they can make a Star Trek episode on or a Star Trek joke on this show, they're gonna do that. Uh, it's just a very common or a very frequent uh, uh, target for them. Uh, I I actually did not grow up watching Star Trek, so like everything I know about it is kind of from like memes or jokes or just uh just kind of pop culture osmosis so uh i know enough to get the jokes but i'm sure i would probably like appreciate it more if i'd actually watched the the show growing up so i guess like just because of that speech marty just like wins his election for what i guess class president or whatever because we immediately get to him as president, uh, basically, which gives Duke Phillips uh, the idea to run for president himself. He's there with uh, Jay and Alice. Marty! Marty! Marty won by landslide. You wrote a great speech. Mighty impressive. You know, all this talk of running for office has set me to thinking. That's it. I'll run for president. Drop a whole mess of bombs and put Merle Haggard on the Supreme Court. <laughs> and then I, I love that uh, Duke basically goes into his imagination and he gets this little, like, pep talk from, like, himself as the devil. Or maybe it's just the devil looks like Duke Phillips. It's a classic uh, cartoon cutaway, right? The devil and the, the angel. Only this time it's just uh, the devil because Duke's on a mission. <laughs> right. Yeah, usually, usually there would be the devil and the angel, but yeah, I guess because it's Duke, he's just got just the devil <laughs> to tell him what to do. Um, and yeah, so based on the success of Marty's speech, he wants Jay to be his speechwriter. And they do this sort of thing that I've noticed the show does a lot, that whenever Jay is like faced with a big decision, like he doesn't want to decide right away he's got to think about it for a bit so he doesn't want to you know take the job right away he goes to like oh i'm sorry no i'm jumping ahead a bit i was gonna say he goes to his mom and his sister for advice but nope that's later when he's got another big decision to make but um no he goes to lane reesh to talk with uh jeremy uh, his actor friend, the uh, Australian actor friend, who t talks about the time he got to uh, play a president. Besides, it's not that hard a job. I played a president in a movie once. Uh, 
Who are you? My name is Monroe, James Monroe, and he has a taste of the Monroe Doctrine. <laughs> Welcome to the era of good feelings. Oh, James. I, I kind of enjoyed this little random movie movie moment of basically just James Monroe being a huge like action star and stuff. Which why would the president need to why would the president need to karate chop goons? <laughs> I don't know, but I love the uh I love the gag. Yeah. And he and he of course has like the action one liners like, you know, here's the Monroe doctrine or whatever. Right. Pretty good. All right, so next scene, um, Marty's giving a speech to, like, a bunch of kids from school that have all crowded into Jay's apartment, I guess. Um, And uh, so they are there to build a float for the homecoming parade. But I guess, you know, no one wants to work, so they all run away. Or rather, the the Klingon kids um, warp away uh as as they are wont to do so this so i mean this is not going to pay off till till later but the whole float thing is actually going to lead up to i think one of my favorite jokes in the whole series one that i i always remembered from this show like i remember just watching it as a kid and just like busting up laughing like barely being able to to breathe i assume you know what i what i'm referring to i Dare I guess? Is it um, Flaming Horses Patoot? Uh, exactly. Yeah. The, there we go. <laughs> the, the Flaming Horses Patoot when we get to the actual uh, parade. Up next is the 8th Graders Float, built by class president Martin Sherman. The theme is... A Flaming Horses Patoot! Yay! Yeah, just something about... Well, something about the, the visuals, but also just President Mangasuthu's delivery on that line was just hilarious to me that's that's one of my my favorite um small roles that uh maurice lamarche did for that whole show i think everyone kind of adores uh principal mangasuthu's laugh it's uh Mm -hmm. very iconic you know anytime he has to uh put jay as the butt of a joke or laughs at uh marty for somehow jumping and losing feet right right it's it's (laughs) it's fantastic um, and earlier this episode, he was laughing at Jay for having a I Love Farm Animals painted on the back of his head. Right. So, yeah, Doris uh, uh, paints the words, I, I heart farm animals on Jay's head when he's going to go to the school. And, yeah, uh, Mangasuthu razzes him for it. Great, um, yeah, very simple, like, role or, like, uh, I guess, like, game or whatever that they give to Mangasuthu. But, yeah, it's very, very effective. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all the kids just want to. <laughs> they none of them want to work. I guess they thought like uh, having Marty as president would mean they could all just be lazy or whatever. Well, no one wants to do hard work. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, school is enough work as it is. Like now, I have to build a float too. Come on. I love about this scene as the um, Cleons are forced back to to thank Mister Sherman for the pizza. What did I tell you to say? Thank you for the pizza, Mr. Sherman. <laughs> it's, you know, they're all kind of distraught because everyone's bailed out on them. And when they uh, teleport to the room, Jay's still looking very sad until they thank him. Then he has this little smile for just a split second. Like, oh, thank you. That's, you know, I appreciate 
I appreciate you coming back. But then as soon as they disappear, he's sad and distraught again. <laughs> oh, it's man. I, I'll have to rewatch that. I don't th think I, I uh, clocked that, but that's that's awesome. Oh, yeah. So Jay is talking to Alice about whether he should be Duke's speechwriter. And, you know, Alice says, you know, this is a great opportunity for Jay basically to be Duke's conscience. And... <laughs> I love this this dig they give at uh, Tim Allen. Like Alice says, says, she knew a kid who dealt drugs, went to jail, and now he's the star of Home Improvement, uh, which is also yeah. accurate about Tim Allen's actual life if you know his yep. uh, early life. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think that's the first time anyone associated at Fox has made that uh, that joke before, mm. and certainly. <laughs> You know, if if uh, the writers could throw one uh, fadeaway punch at ABC, that was <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And not the only time they've done that either. Like, there was a little dig against uh, ABC, like, in the first episode of this season where Jay's like, yeah, I used to have a show on ABC for about 10 minutes or whatever he says. <laughs> uh, so, Jay goes to Duke. Basically, Duke has his own Hall of Presidents. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for Duke Phillips. You made him say that. You can fool some of the people some of the time, but you'll never fool good old Duke Phillips. Huh? Huh? I'm Bill Clinton. I urge you to work for Duke Phillips. That's not Clinton. That's just one of your mechanical hillbilly bears. Yeah, but so far nobody's noticed. Which seems like a very Duke thing, based on uh, what we know of him. He he loves statues. He loves talking statues, including talking statues of himself, as we've seen. Yes, he loves a good animatronic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, animatronics are awesome. So he's got a Hall of Presidents. We've got Kennedy, Lincoln, who uh, are all in for Duke. And then we've got uh, Bill Clinton. Well, Bill Clinton's voice in a, like, a country bear uh, <laughs> um, uh, nice. statue. Might be the second. I think it's the second time we've seen him, too. Right. Uh, the first time in his office, right, where the bears who sing for Duke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Duke has his own personal country bear jamboree in his office, but I guess, you know, he borrowed one for his Hall of Presidents. Like, God, what, what other, <laughs> what other, like, animatronics must Duke have just at the ready? Like, just thinking about it, he must have, like, I don't know. I, I imagine, like, any time he fires someone he must have an animatronic uh statue to sing for them or something like that it's a very national lampoon kind of uh thing in my head or it's just like you know give me an give me an animatronic of insert character here <laughs> yeah <laughs> um somehow there's a marilyn monroe animatronic the uh <laughs> the kennedy apparently constructed from uh, I can't recall uh, who are the two others, but he constructed from others. Yeah. <laughs> Basically out of <laughs> spare parts, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, good for him being able to make someone or make a robot that looks like Mar Marilyn Monroe out of two other presidents. I'm not sure how you would mm -hmm. uh, do that, but that would take some true talent. <laughs> All right. But yeah, basically 
Jay accepts the job, and we immediately see his speechwriter kind of powers in action um, in the next scene when Duke goes on the uh, Tom Snyder show and basically uh, announces that he's running for president. I'm a self-made billionaire, and the only person who can bribe me is a bazillionaire. And I am the first candidate to call for Arnold Schwarzenegger to be tarred and feathered. I wrote that speech. Well, duh. And and again, very much shade, kind of like shades of of Trump a little bit here, because he talks about how he's a a self-made billionaire. Um, or maybe they were just taking, you know, more inspiration from like Ross Perot, who had already run for president in in ninety uh, two. Right. But yeah, basically, just just kind of scary the idea of just like anyone with uh, billions of dollars running for president. I mean, we've already seen the terrible things that can happen uh, in this country, and it's probably gonna happen again, which is scary to think about. You never know. Yeah, floodgates could be open. Um, it's a very, you know, and I know they, they modeled Duke kind of to be a Ted Turner type. So it's just, you know, I have so much money. What the hell? I'm going to vote. I'm going to go for president because I have so much money. Um, and if Ross Pro could do it. Yeah. Funny, he, I think Duke <laughs> mentions whatever happened to Ross Pro and they have a cutaway gag. I'm going to be the next Ross Perot. I wonder whatever happened to him. Stockdale, if we don't deliver this pizza in 30 minutes, it's free. What's the holdup? Gridlock. I'm like, wait a minute. He did run again in 96. So I guess this, um, you know, this must have aired before either that was confirmed or something. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I actually did look up the air date for this episode just to get a sense of like the timing and, and stuff. Cause there are other political jokes that, for me, the timing seemed kind of weird on them. So, so basically, this aired April twenty third, nineteen ninety five. So then, I guess the election would have been November of ninety five. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, because his um, uh, Clinton's uh, or no, no, no. Sorry. Because when they're doing the VP debate, they say decision 96. So, yeah, the election would have been November of 96. So to do an election episode in April of 95, yeah, it's just uh, pretty early. This would have been, yeah, very early in, like, the primaries. Like, there wouldn't have been the um, state primaries yet. Yeah, I suppose so. Unless, um, you know, it was, it was just trying to predict who would be up for running at that point. You know, because they, they have to produce the episodes and animate them X amount of months before their ultimate airtime. So, I don't know. It's, uh, and this is all what, I guess I was 94, 95. I was like 12, 11, 12, maybe. So, I'm not even all sure what the heck was going on at that time. So my, my memory's fuzzy, but. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, what really made me think like, like wait i need to check when the what the timing of this was is because when there was when they have the vp debate i'm i'm skipping ahead a little bit here but i just have to talk about this so they have the vp debate uh so they have al gore they have um franklin who ends up being duke's uh running mate and then the uh the republican running mate rich del wasp 
which is, as far as I could tell, is just some guy they made up. Uh, because I, I, I know that Bob Dole's actual running mate was Jack Kemp. Uh, yeah. So I was like, well, why wouldn't they just have... Why, why didn't they have Jack Kemp? Uh, I guess because this was so early, like, ahead of time. And, yeah. and, okay, so... And the only reason I know it's Jack Kemp... I'm not a huge, like, uh, election uh, nerd or anything like that. I went to middle and high school and became friends with uh, Jack Kemp's uh, granddaughter. Huh. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, which is also, I think the reason Bob Dole actually came to our school once when he was campaigning. So no way. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's the only reason I, I, that, that stuck out to me of like, wait, that should be Jack Kemp. Who the hell is rich Del wasp? Um, sure. so, <laughs> so anyway, that was weird. So, um, yeah. So April 23rd, 95, a full, 18 months before the election, which kind of makes sense because the reporter at the top of that scene. Welcome to Decision 96. It's 18 months till the election, and tonight we'll focus on the vice presidential candidates. Since this is so boring and pointless, we will periodically be inserting clips from Baywatch. Help! Help! An octopus stole my bikini top! Yeah, a VP debate. 18 months before the election. Who? Yeah, no one's going to watch that. Um, okay, uh, uh, sidebar over, I guess, but thank you yeah. for indulging me in that. Very big sidebar. Let's rewind. So we're, yeah, so we're basically just getting to Duke announcing his candidacy uh, on the Tom Snyder show. It goes over like gangbusters. Uh, his call for Arnold Schwarzenegger to be tarred and feathered is so popular that uh, Bill Clinton actually does it. And, oh yeah, so then we get the the Ross Perot joke that you uh, referenced earlier, because basically Duke is kind of deciding, does he run want to run as a Republican or run as an independent? And then he meets with Bob Dole. So this also <laughs> made me think, okay, if Bob Dole is in the episode, maybe they're, they'll have Jack Kemp. But anyway, we don't need to beat that horse anymore but yeah we get bob dole bob dole good to meet you duke i'm dan quayle i gotta go boom boom bob i'm thinking of running as a republican that nomination is mine if you interfere i'll release this tape pretty kitty calico you know that i love you so with your fur so soft and fair i will get you where <laughs> dan quayle is there and he's just acting dumb as always. Yeah, gotta go boom boom. <laughs> exactly. So, but, uh, so yeah, Duke wants to run as a Republican because, of course, Duke is would be a he would fit in well with the uh, Republican Party, I'm sure. But Bob Dole blackmails him out of doing that by basically he has this hidden video of like Duke playing with a cat. Yes, he's uh, <laughs> reciting. Or reading to his, um, yeah, I love the exposure of Duke's inner soft side reading to his cat, and uh, I love I love that just because I love Duke as a character. And I love Charles Napier and just trying to envision him <laughs> singing this and weeping into the microphone as he's recording it. Um, huge smile on my face every time. Yeah, and and the funny thing is, like 
at least among my friends, like seeing a candidate like play with their cat would actually make them want to vote for that person. Like, and especially in these days of the internet, like cats are huge, you know? Yeah, he would have got um, massive approval on the cat vote. Oh, yeah. And, you know, just think of like the memes and everything. Like people would go crazy for it. Yep. <laughs> all right. But, uh, but, uh, Duke decides, all right, he'll run as an independent. Uh, so then we check back in with Marty struggling to build the float, uh, by himself. Uh, yeah, I kind of just, the, the only thing I liked out of this scene was that he talks about, you know, he's not just going to goof off and, uh, eat candy. And then Jay flashes back to, uh, Ronald Reagan. Little do is goof off and eat candy well son as president you're above that i do solemnly swear that as your president i will goof off and eat candy so yeah wait keith you you are in uh california right yeah i'm up in uh santa clarita okay so oh santa clarita okay um yeah that, i i know that area um ha have you ever uh toured the ronald reagan library in simi valley i have uh years ago i think uh <laughs> it was more of the draw i think walt disney archives was doing an exhibit like tied into that so we did the whole shebang although it was great or you know a reagan exhibit and all yeah, <laughs> yeah. I told I I um went there like on a school field trip, and I uh, the thing I remember most is that yeah, Ronald Reagan was crazy about jelly beans. He yep. <laughs> ate ate a ton of them. They sell them in the gift shop. Uh, so yeah, it just this joke about Ronald Reagan goofing off and eating candy just had the the ring of truth for me because pretty spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Because I've seen the self-portrait of Reagan made out of jelly beans that they have in there. Yeah, that, I was about to bring that up. They certainly hammer that point home, don't they? It's like, okay, I get it. Jelly beans. Enough yeah. about the jelly beans. They're just trying to sell those jelly bellies, I guess. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> Reagan is just pro-capitalism all the way. All right, so then, so then we get this like uh, montage of Jay just like, you know, going mad, like writing speech after speech uh, for Duke, uh, most of which are hits, some of which are not, including the uh, anti-gun speech he gives where Duke says he wants to ban assault rifles and almost like gets gunned down by every single person in the audience, um, you know for his troubles. I believe Americans have the right to bear arms except for vicious cop-killing assault rifles. Bazooka Duke says, you all missed! Yeah, funny enough, um, only because it's been a topic in my brain as of late, but yeah, that one I was like, oof. I think, I think he says, um, Cop killing assault rifles, right? And uh, I have I have two kids, so I'm getting the word assault rifle and shooting and schools all mm. kind of strike a chord with me these days. And my my opinion on the whole thing has kind of changed since. So I was like, oh man, that's not so much a joke so much as it is just common weekly life here these days. Although it is a great gag because because <laughs> I think uh, after that's uh, Bazooka Duke says chew on this. <laughs> And yes. uh, despite shooting a rocket into the 
audience there he gets a, a rousing uh, round of applause yeah they, they yeah they applaud him after he fires a bazooka at them so i guess yeah i mean they're just crazy about violence uh which is yeah you know knowing america <laughs> i guess uh I think I'm just getting older where now I care about these things, whereas <laughs> when I was younger, it was just something I'd brush off. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's great that uh, Duke does get the zombie vote as well. I promise you zombies more raw human flesh than any president since Roosevelt. Uh, Doris, what are you doing here? Looking for a husband. No, yeah, that was definitely definitely my favorite part of this whole whole scene. He gives a speech to the zombie delegation or whoever they are, and um, yeah, he promises them what more flesh to eat. I think something like that. I think uh, I think flesh or bow or uh, brains or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and then of course we see Doris there trying to pick up a husband. Oh, yeah. Doris. <laughs> yeah, I love God. I love. I I have a. In all my notes from watching this episode again, I have a, a general like series aside, um, where I, I know how like ghoulish season one Doris is compared to her redesigned season two look. Like, there's nothing lovable about her um, season one appearance. It's just she's she's very like drawn out and elongated, and they really kind of squished her for season two. Um, which I th- think works really well and makes her even more lovable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always love Doris. Um, so yeah, glad they they kind of improved her look a little bit. Oh yeah, so so Jay is so satisfied with his job that now everyone takes his calls and just to prove that he calls up Princess Di and the Queen. Since I started writing speeches for Duke, everyone takes my phone calls. Watch. Jay Sherman for Princess Di. Hello. Hey, Princess. Oh, Jay. Here's a jolly old raspberry for you. Oh, look, here's the queen. Hello, Jay. Have I got a rude noise for you? Oh, that was my Christmas pudding. Uh, I love the, the jokes about the British royalty that we get in this episode. Um, the one that comes later, I, I kind of like more, but... Just yep. just the ridiculous impression they have of Queen Elizabeth. It's just like <laughs> I mean, we get a like, uh, we get a classic uh, Maurice Lamarche belch out of her too. Oh yeah, <laughs> so uh, oh yeah, that that would be uh, Maurice Lamarche, wouldn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So it sounds it's yeah, but to me it just sounded like like um, whenever Monty Python would do an old lady voice, it's that sort of yep. just like really shrill, loud kind of voice that uh, yeah it's just hilarious um so then okay so yeah after this is the the um parade uh the homecoming parade at marty's school we kind of i kind of spoiled the joke here already but uh, i just couldn't help it um yeah but we also get so basically because no one could help marty build the float he had to do it himself and uh he only got as far as the horse's ass because i guess the like the whole float was supposed to be like someone riding a horse, and it's it's kind of like this like like uh, Napoleon kind of scene. I think um, we only see it for a second, but that's kind of what I remember it. it uh, being. Yeah, it's it's a very like George Washington kind of character. Yeah, someone someone all in blue military gear, a horse on its you know hind legs, and 
very you know, patriotic and uh it made me think so uh you know we saw earlier in the episode how you know even though the kids bailed at least he had Alice and Jay and um and Penny helping him I was thinking, did, did they just abandon him? <laughs> all, right, right. all right, this is all you now. We're going to go off and do whatever. And this poor elementary school kid just hand by hand or, you know, making flower by flower here. And um, the reveal, of course, which you did touch upon, and it's a, such a memorable line. I'm worried, Dad. No one ever helped me, and I couldn't finish the float by myself. I'm sure you did fine. It's a giant horse's ass. You're watching Fox. Give us 10 minutes, we'll give you an ass. Yes, it's very uh, very 90s Fox too, right? Yeah, because I guess Fox is all about, you know, being um, like provocative or shocking or whatever. So <laughs> they were like, I guess like you had CBS, which is for like old people. And then Fox tries to go the opposite way and just be like, you know, appeal to the young people by giving them like, you know, nudity and, and cursing and whatever. Right. Golden era Fox TV. Yeah. <laughs> it's what, it's, I, I'm sure you as well. It's what we grew up on. Married, stuff like Married with Children and the uh, Siskel and Eber episode. I forgot what the um, the setup was, but it cut to uh, Maurice doing a black character. And it just says booty, booty, booty. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah. That sums up Fox in the 90s to me. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Uh that yeah, I I was definitely a big married with children fan uh in the 90s and so so yeah, we've got basically a big horse's ass float and it yeah, th so there's also in this parade like a uh, like baton twirlers with flaming batons and one of them manages to set the uh float on fire which then just leads to one of my favorite lines of the whole show, the President Mangasuthu saying, uh, flaming horses patoot. So, just so good. Yeah. And, uh, well, it was once, uh, two years ago, at this point, probably two years ago, a uh, very timely post I got lucky with, which was uh, The Burning of Cats. This was uh, right as the, uh, the live-action film came out and uh, was feared by everyone for being such a horrific looking and dud of a film right yeah i i actually did go see that in theaters just because i wanted to see how crazy it was and um mm -hmm. and yeah it's pretty crazy and i was not really familiar with the uh play at all beforehand um so i didn't know that like there's basically no plot it's just a bunch of cats introducing themselves and one of them gets chosen to ascend to heaven or whatever <laughs> okay uh, okay uh, yeah i haven't seen it either oh yeah yeah that's that's basically what it is um great so yeah the good time uh, is had by all um now and forever yeah uh but then this also this is basically the last scene we get with marty and this whole plot it kind of wraps up early so like the rest of it is just about duke and his um campaign so uh yeah they just kind of dealt with the the b story pretty quickly here yeah well marty's presidency much like his float just went up in flames yeah <laughs> there's a uh, there's a great gag uh 
where it's showing uh, Duke's political posters as he's kind of like going down in ratings. I think it's a uh, kick the or vote for Duke and it's Irish suck and he's kicking a <laughs> leprechaun. Um, yeah, there's a great note on that leprechaun. It's the same exact same uh, design as the leprechaun they used in the uh, movie Beverly Hills K9 Cop and a Half 2. He's one of the sidekicks. <laughs> oh my god, I remember that. Wow, that's that's a great catch. I would not have noticed that, but that's amazing. Mm. <laughs> uh, but I, I remember that joke, so that's, wow, very impressive. Uh, but yeah, this whole sequence where we see, yeah, Duke's posters and we learn his, of his anti-Irish stance. Basically, yeah, we learn he needs to revamp his image a little bit because he's not doing well with um, women who... Duke is surprised to learn uh, actually can vote. Um, so so his, uh, his solution to that is not to adopt any sort of policies that might benefit women. He, he, he marries June Lockhart from Lost in Space. I'd like you all to meet my new wife, everybody's favorite TV mom, June Lockhart. Miss Lockhart, why did you agree to marry Duke Phillips? Because he agreed to bring everybody back who was lost in space, even Dr. Smith. Yeah, I. Uh, it's a good thing that like June immediately says that she's from Lost in Space, because I would not have known that otherwise. And it, it is actually June Lockhart doing her voice, because her name appears in the credits. So I don't know if that was just like, hey, let's just get a random celebrity for Duke to marry, or if she was actually... I don't know, promoting something? <laughs> Who knows? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I'm, I see her, her I see her credit on IMDb. Looks like she was just doing kind of like TV movies and series at that point, like one-offs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably just something that, that one of the writers or Al or Mike just, hey, let's put June Lockhart in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, let's see if we can actually get June Lockhart. Uh, yeah, but that's that's awesome. They actually got the real person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also the other great joke in this scene when uh, Duke gets a question he doesn't like, he tells the reporter to gaze into his evil eye. Mr. Phillips, what do you say to those who claim this marriage is just an outrageous publicity stunt? I say gaze into the hypnotic power of my evil eye. Is there a follow-up question? How may I serve you, evil one? Which effectively puts the uh, reporter, like, into a trance. Yep. <laughs> pretty great gag. Uh, and then you, like, I'm pretty sure you featured that moment on the um, on the Instagram account, right? I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, because just the image of, J- of Duke's, like, eyes just, like, turning into, like, these spirals of color just really stuck with me. Yeah. I think the uh, the next uh, gag or cutaway, I definitely want to <laughs> definitely want to re- remark on. All right, is that when uh, Duke tells Jay he can make his own movie? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think it's just if you keep writing my speeches, I'll let you make your own movie. And he says, "I know just the thing. It's you know, Goodfellas too." Oh man, we gotta bury this thing. It smells terrible. Hi, guy. Mamma mia! And uh, so I think it's the second. Again, well, okay. So depending on how you follow the show, so we discussed uh, before we started recording, mm-hmm. where I think IMDb and like Crackle 
even um i'm trying to think of the service it's basically imdb but like specifically for tv series um when when you're ripping like a tv series onto your plex library that's what it pulls from so for me the previous episode was the siskel and ebert and jane alice episode where when jay tries to grab the attention of the critics you see him in one instance on the other side of a medicine cabinet where he says hi guy and then yeah. there's the uh two other uh scenes right after that same gag repeated uh this is in, so based on that this is the second appearance of hi guy and uh on the commentary for the siskel and ebert episode um marissa marsh cracks up because uh, that high guy character was like based off of a um, like a 1972 Right Guard commercial, and uh, I'd seen it. I had seen it since hearing that. Like whenever I last watched the commentaries, um, but last night I made to go to YouTube and I think you just searched like 1972 Right Guard, and yeah, it's this guy. He doesn't quite um, read the line the same as John Lovitz does, and I think John does it better. Um, but it's just very, I forgot the, the actor who does it, but it's just a high guy kind of a thing. And he's on the other side of the medicine cabinet and that's kind of the whole thing. And I think it ran, it, Oh my God. Variations of this ad read from like 72 to like 78, <laughs> just like, Oh, here's a new one. Now it's a new person on the other side. It's, it's as deep as that. So, um, that's just for, for me and my friends, that's something we always like quote or send the text messages and stuff like that, it's, you know, high guy with the eyes extended out. So we know exactly what it means. Oh my God. Yeah. I just searched YouTube and I think I, I found it here. So, um, yeah, I'll go ahead and put that audio into, uh, into this episode so people can hear it. Hi guy. Sid? Sid? What's this, a new kind of right guard and a person? Hi there. <gasps> That's my new right guard natural scent. Natural scent? It's new, light and fresh. You know, natural. <clears throat> Smell it. Huh? It smells terrific. Mm, it's right guard. Oh. Helps keep you dry all day. New right guard natural scent. Does <laughs> Mona know about you? Oh, they moved. Oh. This is my husband, Bruno. Bruno? Hi, guy. <laughs> such a such a random reference. I never if Maurice had never mentioned it, I I would have no idea and assume it's just original to the show. Yeah, and actually, hold on, let me see if I can find it cuz someone else pointed out to me recently another reference that I would have never uh caught otherwise. So yes, uh a uh, another um fan of the podcast pointed out to me that in the in last week's episode uh, from Chunk to Hunk with uh, Alana Johnston, there's the um, the gag where um, Marty, who has now lost a ton of weight, goes on a Diet Coke break at school, and all the girls know exactly when that is, so they all go to the window to watch him drink a Diet Coke. That is actually from an actual Diet Coke commercial from 1995. Diet Coke break. Diet Coke break. Tomorrow, 
So I I remember those commercials. I don't remember much else other than they existed. Yeah, it's it's basically the exact same thing. I think it's like a bunch of office ladies, and then one of them goes like, "Hey, it's eleven thirty, Diet Coke break." So they all go to the window, and there's like a a guy like working a construction site, and he's drinking Diet Coke, and he's got his shirt off, so he's all muscular and stuff. So it's basically the exact same thing, but uh, yeah, it I had I'd never seen that commercial before so that totally went uh over my head but but yeah uh someone pointed that out to me so thank you uh I'll just say thank you uh Timothy I won't give away your full name but you know who you are so thank you for pointing that out well done Tim yeah it is <laughs> as, as I mean you realize the show was only like 94 and 95 like even for 90s references it's such a small window of time where it's easy just to like blink and you're like, oh, that was a reference to something. Like, right. it's not like a general 90s kind of thing, you know? It's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I had to like go back and double check. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So, um, so where are we? Oh my God. We haven't even gotten to, um, the other big development in Duke's campaign, which, uh, in my opinion, I wish they had gotten to this a lot sooner so we would get a lot more jokes out of it. But basically, uh, Duke decides he needs a running mate. And who does he pick? Uh, of course, Franklin Sherman. Everyone's favorite character, Franklin Sherman, uh, is going to be uh, his running mate. So I think, you know, perfect choice, <laughs> both in terms of the actual campaign and in terms of making a, a funny episode, just uh, uh, per, like so many opportunities for Franklin to make hilarious jokes here. So, yeah, it, it definitely kind of punches up the story a bit more because it's not just, all right, here's Duke, here's Duke, here's Duke. It's like, oh, well, we're going to bury Duke in the ground now with his VP selection, beginning with Franklin ripping his hair his, his hair off. Son, I'm going to be vice president, and I'm going to be honest with the American people. I'm not going to wear this toupee anymore. Dad, you don't wear a toupee. I will from now on. And uh, yeah, it really takes it kind of to the extreme to finish the episode off. Yeah, so great. But yeah, so that's basically our end of Act 2, so the reveal of um, Franklin as the VP. And when we come back, yeah, we get the um, the Decision 96 VP debate, which we've already sort of um, talked about a bit. But uh, yeah, so we get Al Gore, Rich Del Wasp, and Franklin. Basically just an excuse for Franklin to go off and be nutty for a while. Governor Sherman, an opening statement. As the first black female head of the Ku Klux Klan, I'd like to say America stinks. This may hurt us more than it helps us. And Governor Sherman, what would you do in the case of nuclear attack? Then you sprinkle the chicken liberally with Old Spice. Uh, was there any, anything just else in this scene you wanted to comment on before we just move on? Yeah, it's the smallest note I have, but... I love when uh, Franklin Sherman's introduced and he just rises from the ground with <laughs> yes. drink in hand and there's that slide whistle that matches along with it. You just kind of know you're in for a ride in the next uh, few seconds. Yeah, I noticed that. Very subtle thing, but uh, yeah, very effective. Just him rising up like uh, like like he's on a, a stage or, or not a stage, but you know, like a, I don't know, rising platform, platform or something. Platform, right, yeah. 
So good. So yeah, Duke, of course, now is sort of realizing the error of his of his choice. He thinks it may cost him the election. Uh, surprisingly, it doesn't, though. It's uh, something else is going to cost him the election. But he basically wants Jay to fire, you know, Franklin from the campaign, which is the other kind of big decision that Jay has to mull over for a while. He goes to, yeah, his mom and his sister. Jay, sit on my lap. Get off my lap. But it's so comfortable. Jay, maybe your father shouldn't be vice president, but you shouldn't be the one who has to break his heart. His mom actually has a, a good bit of advice that, uh, you know, that Jay doesn't have to be the one to 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 actually do it because it's Duke's decision. He should do it himself, basically. But before we before Jay actually does that, we get, I think, my favorite film parody of this episode, Apocalypse Wow. I'll be do. I'm Colonel Kurtz. Fat and bald like old Fred Mertz. Watch me do a hula dance to shake the egg rolls from my pants. Yeah, this uh, <laughs> this cracks me up every time. Just the the way the animators animated his uh, his shuffling hands in the beginning. Uh, complete contrast to his sort of deadpan uh, deadpan face that he has. And uh, yeah, this one's always in my head. How do I do? It's Colonel Kurtz. Fat yeah. and bald like old Fred Mertz. <laughs> it's such a fun line to kick it off with. Yeah, and it's um, Maurice LaMarche, of course, doing Marlon Brando again. And we've seen him do Brando a lot, but God, they always manage to make it just so funny. Because uh, we've definitely never seen the singing, dancing Marlon Brando yet. Not in this fashion, for sure. So this kind of just leads to the big, I guess, like confrontation between Jay and Duke. Jay refuses to, you know, he refuses to uh, fire his dad. Uh, so... This just kind of <laughs> sets off Duke to giving this big impromptu speech on air. Half of you states are in the toilet and you're not coming out. New York, you know what I'm talking about. California, kiss your smoggy butt goodbye. New England, you're going back to old England. He mentions he's going to give New England back to old England, which I don't know why he would want to do that, but he, <laughs> he it does lead to... The hilarious scene with Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles. Ew, I don't want that. More poison? I mean, tea? Ah, oh, don't mind if I do. You almost had me there. <laughs> that one, yeah, that's that's my favorite of the, uh, the royalty cutaways here. Yeah, which, oh my god, they just sound like such, just like Monty Python ridiculous... Uh, level impressions. Yeah, they really set the bar as to how to treat old British ladies. <laughs> yeah, but uh, just so good. Um, and I guess it was... Was it the uh, like a running joke in the 90s that Prince Charles was just like waiting for the queen to die so he can be king, I guess? I, th I think that's kind of the general consensus is like, man, this woman's still alive, huh? I guess he's never going to truly... Yeah inherit the throne i remember sort of the same sentiment in like naked gun in the first film oh, where yeah, yeah. the queen the queen was very eccentric and all this stuff and it's just like this lady's been old my entire life and <laughs> she's still kicking it okay yeah and she's still around amazingly 
Like yep. her her uh, husband has passed on, but uh, she's she's still around. So yeah, good 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 for her, I guess. <laughs> um, Avoiding poison tea. Yes. Uh, yeah. Don't drink the tea from Charles. Um, but yeah, this gets Duke so riled up he just gets on his horse and rides off. Um, June Lockhart wants a divorce um, because he didn't bring back the people that were lost in space. Uh, though Duke did manage to bring back E.T., amazingly. Duke, I want a divorce. You're a terrible man. You'd be an awful president, and you never had any intention of bringing back the people who were lost in space. I did bring back that extraterrestrial. Uh, this poor E.T. sent to a life in slave labor. Yes. <laughs> buffing the floors of the studio with... And I'm just noticing this now as I'm kind of skipping along the episode with you. Is that he has a a, a shackle on his left foot with, with a chain extending oh my off God. camera. So this <laughs> poor guy is just stuck forever enslaved by Duke. Oh, man. I did not notice that, but that is, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. And then June Lockhart six Lassie to attack Duke. So I guess... You know, I guess when you work at a, a TV studio, you can just summon any character you you want to. Seems pretty They're convenient. Always on hand, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know, it's and obviously as much as I love this show, I can be a critic about it for all the good and the bad. Oh sure. That joke seems so like, seemed very weird and like out of left field, even for this show. You know, where I'm like, uh, it kind of feels like a miss. Like, and I'm I'm scrambling right now, seeing like what was. Was she in like a Lassie film or something that I don't know about? Oh, and that's why hmm. there's a connection. I don't, I don't think so. Um, again, scrambling here, but um, yeah, that was just kind of one of those like, eh, that's kind of cute. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> um, God, this show had so much potential to be something just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, they they kind of just I don't know they they wanted to end it with Duke being brought down a peg and you know what. <laughs> Here we go. Sorry, this is oh. my spot of the moment search. So she was in Lassie, the TV series, and did several uh, oh. Lassie films. I think as late, oh wow, as late as 2006. Lassie, the Wayfarers TV movie. <laughs> all Never right, saw that one advertised, but okay. So, so I'm sure, that. I'm sure all the hardcore June Lockhart fans are now going to write me angry emails and tweets. Yes. All right, and, I, that's on me. That's well. on me. I should have, I should have been more familiar with June Lockhart's body of work. That's that's on me. <laughs> um, but the yeah, just did their work. All right, good job. <laughs> kind of amazing. They go for the really deep June Lockhart poll. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so then yeah, just Jay bids people good night. We get a waving American flag and credits. So yeah, uh, you know, pretty good episode. I like this one. Uh, like I said, for a political episode, they don't really dig into much politically like it's still just a, a critic episode but uh but no I, I really like it i love all the franklin stuff um of course the flaming horses patoot is an all-timer um yeah good episode yeah anything that's kind of duke centric wins it over for me i just think that uh that um charles napier you know has a perfect voice for this character and uh anytime i can hear it is uh such a treat and uh i know that there were so many times in the show in general where he'd be asked to read something and he'd have to go, what the hell am I reading here? And, <laughs> yeah. and Mike and uh, Al would just be like, just, just read it. It's, it's okay. Just read it. 
one one of the cast I've always like thought about like well what if this show was like let's just say hell froze over and the show got new life and like renewed not even renewed but just brought back right from the the depths of uh of death here but you're like wow there's so many like key voices in the show that aren't around yeah obviously uh we'd have to recast like duke and marty right because um christine cavanaugh uh unfortunately passed away oh that's right this, i think right around the time they were um re-airing the show on comedy central and i think she was doing a uh, dexter from dexter's laboratory because mm. i remember distinctly uh, uh another kid uh, kid another person in my art classes at the time was saying like oh i don't like the new voice of Dexter and I, I hadn't really known that. Um, we have so many, uh, Doris, obviously, right? Doris is gone. Mm-hmm. It would take a lot of work to revive this thing. And I think given how much I love the, sh- love the show, it would be the one thing I would like be forgiving. It's like, all right, let's just start from scratch, find some like good, unique voices on their own for these characters and like move forward. But yeah, this, this is a time capsule of some great voice acting. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, God, I didn't know, yeah, Doris, Doris Grau died, uh, December 30th, 1995, so, like, God, right after, like, this show, uh, ended. Much. Man, uh, man, R.I.P. to a real one. Uh, yeah. all right. <laughs> uh, all right, well, Keith, thank you so much for going through this episode with me. You definitely picked up on a lot of things that I would not have. So that that was awesome. Uh, and again, The Critic Clips on Instagram. Everyone should follow that for uh, getting just, you know, lots of awesome critic jokes in your feed. Anything else you want to plug? Nothing really. Um, sometime this summer, I've had kind of everything sitting waiting and and ready for this but i do want to um throw out some uh shirts out there this summer i just have to kind of test the printers and drops uh drop shipping service nothing too original at the moment right now i've kind of like i've really kind of dug through the depths of the internet and whatever people have sent me on instagram of just kind of like reviving old shirt designs things that were promotions right mm-hmm. um and i'm gonna you know hopefully Anyone that cares isn't listening, but um, hopefully we can get away with doing this, right? That's my only fear. Yeah. But I'm like, well, you know, there's so many Simpsons, whatever, accounts and knockoff merch and stuff that I can't imagine they'd go out of the way for something so ignored as the critic. But I still, ha- <laughs> I would be foolish not to um, double check everything and, and do everything the right way. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I mean, like, if you do it, like, as a parody, I'm sure you can get away with it. Because, like, even I own some, like, like cartoon show shirts that, like, aren't official merch that are, like, sure. you know, fa- either fan-made or just, like, some cynical t-shirt company just, like, drew their own version of the character and slapped a funny saying on it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely... Fortunately, I have a design background so i can kind of be smart about uh not playing this off as anything original let's just say that so yeah hopefully this summer i'll have that ready to go because i know a lot of people would probably like to have at least something cool uh yeah well i will definitely be looking forward to that uh all right so yeah thanks again for joining me on this episode and we hope you all join us next week for the next episode of it stinks the critic podcast 
Thank you for listening to this episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. Our theme song is by Brandon Beck. You can email the podcast at itstinkspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at itstinkspod. 